This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. And 
thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings app. Do it today, guys, and use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. All right, we got a great show coming up today. I'm going to dive into UFC Paris and all its storylines. I'm going to tell you about Kamara Usman. Talk about how he's handling his defeat. And I'm going to tell you guys a story about a time I trained with Nate Diaz. All of that later. Right now, let's begin with a story that's all over Twitter. All right, Paulo Costa, Jemaya. I'm assuming you guys have seen this clip. This clip is going everywhere. So they're at the P.I., PI, Performance Institute, UFC Center, open all hours, and you can do anything you want there. You could live there. There's a room to take a nap in. There's food. There's water. There's a computer to go entertain yourself. I mean, it's truly somewhere you can go live. Everybody's welcome. And it's very important when you're at the PI that you understand that. I don't love guys that train at the PI. When I, whenever I hear about that, it kind of bothers me. First off, the PI has never produced a world champion. So just, just from Jump Street, I find it to be a problem. But secondly... This is a place to come and rehab. This is a place to work. Las Vegas is a hub. If you're in town, you've got to do some business. You've got to do a level of media. You're coming in to take in a show. You're in transit. The UFC is providing a facility. And I feel as though I'm very familiar with that. The Olympic Training Center is a big thing that we have in wrestling. But the Olympic Training Center has not put anybody on a world or Olympic team that I can even remember. And I follow the sport very close. But it's not meant for that. It's, a, it's, it's transit. People can come in and they can meet from all locations. They got somewhere to sleep. They got some food. They come to the room. They pick up some techniques. They share some ideas. They go back to their training centers. And you'll get some other people that misinterpret that and want to go and make that home. And this isn't Chael's opinion to put anybody down, but Chael will observe and tell you they haven't put anybody on a team in a meaningful period of time, but neither is the P.I., it's a big deal when I find out somebody's training at the PI. It's like, okay, are you saying that to be nice? Are you saying that to get uh, to show Dana a level of respect for all the money and effort that he went to that? I appreciate that. But do you really mean it? Because those aren't your teammates. These are guys from all over. Now, this is a relevant concept that you have to understand. You really have to understand that if you go into the PI, you got to leave your guns at the door. You must. Because this is, this is a beautiful thing that somebody's doing. You can't have something ugly take place. You just can't. You run into insurance problems, you run into security problems, you just can't. If it's a gym and you're training there, there's a level where you must be a team atmosphere, but they're not. They're not a team. They're not teammates. There is not a head coach. There is nothing about it that when any fighter ever states, where do you train? And he responds, PI, don't bet on that guy. Now, let's go into what happened. You've got Paulo Costa. Paula Costa is getting work with Jake Shields. Now, there are a few minds that you could work with that would be better than Jake Shields. Truly few alive. And Paula Costa and Jake don't overly know each other. Important part of the story. I also need to make sure that you understand Paulo Costa on social media, Paulo Costa through the media, Paulo Costa in fight media, he is just a terrific character. He truly is. He wants to be known as the eraser. People call him the Terminator. He's so frightening, people don't even call him by his nickname. They've given him a new one. All right? 
when I met him on the set of The Ultimate Fighter, he's a very handsome guy. And he used to be a power lifter. And I can stop you right there. There was nothing else. And I got a sheet. Vandalay got the same sheet. It had his name. It said power lifter. You got to look at him. He's body beautiful. And off you go. He wasn't this personality that he is now. He wasn't the charisma that he is now. He wasn't as charming as he is now. He wasn't as engaging. He wasn't as humorous. He just wasn't those things. He's worked in this. Now he pops on screen. And it's relevant if you saw this piece. This piece doesn't work without his personality. So you've got Paula Costa doing a workout with Jake Shields. It's just the two of them. Now, when you see that, you assume... That this is coach and student. You assume that there's this long relationship. It gets revealed later to us. They, they just met. Paul Acosta knew he's, he's got a great mind to pick. And he asked Jake, can you work with some stuff? And Jake says, yes, it's very relevant because Ian rolls the Chechnyans. So, <laughs> right? I mean, you want to talk about a presence? You, you want to talk about somebody that pops on screen? So's Chemayev. Maybe without all of the same muscles, but he pops just the same. There's something interesting when Chemayev appears. Can we agree on that? I don't know the backstory. These guys don't even speak the same language. These guys are not in the same weight class. These guys don't have the same goal. Somewhere they got heat. Paulo Costa apparently said something, and Chemayev hears it all. So Chemayev comes in, and he's got a group with him. The way the story is told is Chemayev comes in with 20 guys. He was. He had his team with him, and he probably did have six or seven guys. There was a group of them. There just wasn't 20 guys, just to correct that. However, there's a group versus Paulo Costa and Jake Shields. How do you think this is going to go? Well, it went nowhere. Neither one, they came, they met right in the middle is where that went. Nobody took a step backwards, and it starts with Chemayev coming in, seeing Paulo, and saying something. Something along the lines of, why did you talk about me? Now, I'm getting you real close on this story, guys, but the audio is a little bit bad, and the video, I'm, I'm getting you, I got you 99% there. Don't think you need to correct me in detail. If you saw something better than I did, good for you, but I, I'm close enough for the story's purposes. And what I found most interesting to the whole thing, okay, is... When this mob decides to confront Paulo Costa, it is now them versus Costa and Jake. And Jake even talked about it. He said it really lightly, but it was the most interesting part of this whole story. Is Jake said, hey, we had just met him, but, you know, he got some problems. I'm going to have his back. And he did. And people forget that about Jake Shields. Like... The scrap pack only got four members, and Jake's one of them. It's the Diaz boys, Gilbert and Jake. Like, people forget about that because Shields is, you know, he comes, he's this nice guy, and everybody likes him, and he shakes hands, and he speaks nicely, and he's handsome, and it's like all these things, and people forget. People forget that's a rough guy. <laughs> I mean, this isn't about who would have won. You know, there's six guys versus two. I'm not trying to give you a breakdown here. I, I get it and numbers matter. Let's just be glad nothing like this happened. But it was still interesting. I had a pride. I had a, I had a massive pride in Jake Shields. Been a friend of mine for a very long time. And I knew the kind of guy he was. I knew that. I knew that's the way, but I didn't know he didn't know Paula Costa. 
I didn't know he's only known Paulo 30 minutes longer than he knows them. 30 minutes versus you're nothing, I roll with this guy. Two on six, well, <laughs> how are we gonna do this? Who's first? There's something about that that brings me a pride. And I just wanted to tell you the story. So that is the news of the day. And now I want to spend the next few minutes talking about UFC Paris and where the heavyweight division goes from here. Surreal gone, tie to Ivasa. Guys, this is what you call a grand slam. This was awesome. First off, I never understood this fight. I never understood for the life of me why this was given to us for free. I truly did not. Now, I'm greedy like anybody, and, and I'll take it, but the card as a whole, I mean, you have Robert Whitaker, an Ultimate Fighter Tournament Champion. That is a huge accomplishment. A world champion. Oh, by the way, should I mention that Robert Whitaker is one half of the biggest gate in MMA history of 57,000 live people. Oh, and should I mention he's ranked number one in the world? People forget that about Whitaker. I swear to goodness, Whitaker and Colby get the same treatment. They truly do. They, they are the most overlooked number one contenders. He's going to take on Angry Marvin. And they're going to do it for 15 minutes. That's the way you want Angry Marvin and you want Whitaker. You don't want him for 25 minutes. There's some fights that they're better quicker. I mean, truly, I believe that. So this one gets announced. And then you've got the heavyweights on top of you. you got number one taking on number four. So you have the number one ranked heavyweight in the world. you got to really got to understand this. You had the number one ranked heavyweight in the world in your main event. You had the number one ranked middleweight in the world in your co-main event. This was just given away. I never understood it. I really did. I was sitting back going, okay, what, what is Dana doing? What's the strategy here? This is a massive offering. Oh, and by the way, it's in the middle of an afternoon that you can watch anywhere on the Worldwide Leader. I mean, you can watch it on your device if you wanted to. You can watch it on TV. Okay, it's just one of these things. Going into it, I'm trying to figure out what the strategy is. And what are you going to do if Tui Vasa wins? If Tui Vasa wins... It means he knocks Surreal out. I mean, really, if you bet Tui Vasa to win, you should have also checked the box for knockout because that was his way to win, of which he almost did. What are you going to do if number four, who's also your most popular guy in the entire division, takes out number one? You're going to not give him a title shot? I would love to see this dance. That is going to be a very, very... Kreskin couldn't pull that one off. Vice versa, what are you going to do to number one if he goes out and wins and stops the most popular guy in Taito Ivasa at home in a sold-out arena, of which I didn't know how the French were. I personally didn't know how energetic the French crowd could be. We've been exposed to the British crowd, by example. couple of questions here. Absolutely sold out, absolutely packed, wonderful opener. Vittori Whitaker did their job. I, I know some people, when that fight's over, had a different review, man. Those two went out there and they did their job. Whitaker just showed why he's so damn good. People truly underestimate. I believe that. That people don't understand just how good Whitaker is. When Whitaker fought Adesanya last, I was there live and I thought they were going to say and new. That's one guy's opinion. But that's how good he is. Just hold that thought. Main event time. All right. Now. Tied to Ivasa, right? And I'm over here, I'm a critic. I'm negative. There's nothing I can do about it. You're either, you're, you're born that way. You're a pessimist or you're an optimist, right? The glass is either half empty or it's half full. For me, it's half empty every time. 
So I'm a critic, and one thing about Tuivasa, which I have accurately identified, is he's not very good. Now, when I say that, I get everybody's attention. How can the number four guy not be very good? Where is Chael going this? Well, I, I really mean it as a compliment. Because his wins and what he's able to go out there and do, the nerves, the attention he's able to draw, while still being rough around the edges, while still he only has a purple belt, by example, in jiu-jitsu. I don't believe he's been promoted. If he is, feel free to correct me. But I would put him as a martial artist. I would put him as a purple belt. He's a rough guy. He goes out and competes while well, all of this has now changed. I will not say those words. Tied to Evos is not very good. I will not say that again. Even if I meant it as a compliment in the first place, I just won't say it anymore. It's not true. Tuivasa, first off, almost won this fight, just so you understand. He's walking into enemy territory, which he has done multiple times. He does not care. He's got ice going through his veins. He's a competitor. To go into a five-round atmosphere is a very intimidating circumstance. To go into a five-round atmosphere where you are fully aware ahead of time, I am going to be bludgeoned. Whether I win or I lose, all this guy across from me is going to do is punch me and kick me for the duration of our match. It's a wildly intimidating... He's never going to tell you that. He's a proud guy. I understand these things. He's also a human being. It's a very terrifying thing. His combinations were beautiful. Everybody's conditioning needs work. I mean, in all... There's no athlete competing today that thinks I'm just in this, this wonderful... Everybody's conditioning needs work. He held up the whole time. Tui Vasa had a chin. Tui Vasa was doing blocks. He was feeding back. I will never say that he's not skilled. I think that my statement was once true, though. I think that Tui Vasa's training partners and his coaches deserve a ton of shine. I wish that they would step forward and take a bow. They're doing some really great things with him, not to mention he takes his training camp to Abu Dhabi. He does that by his own explanation of, of it takes away from distractions. I believe that that's cute, fancy talk for, I don't drink as much beer when I'm in Abu Dhabi. I think that's what it means. But he is getting good. He is getting very good. And you've got to understand that if you want to give Surreal the pat on the back that he deserves, not to mention Surreal Gong came to life. For the first time ever, he came to life. He did it in French. I'm not fully sure what he said, but he had an energetic crowd, a sold-out, packed house, as he's performing victoriously over the number four guy in the world. On the worldwide league. This was a massive moment. What are you going to do with it? I mean, what are you going to do with it? And, and there were so many things where I did not think that Surreal Gone, this is me, I'm being a critic, right? The glass is half full. I admit that. I did not think Surreal Gone looked very good against Francis Ngannou. I left there that night a little bit disappointed. I was upset with both of them because of what they had that they didn't use. I fully admit that. That was the story of all stories in the history of the heavyweight division, and they both blew it. It rubbed me the wrong way. But physically speaking, I didn't think he looked very good. Uh, he went for a leg lock at one point. He gave up a position. I don't understand why he did that. Everybody makes weird decisions. He's never been taken down in a fight before. That was a story going into this fight. I believe that he was 15-0 along with the interim championship. If I'm wrong, he was 16-0, but he had never spent a single second on the ground before. Francis, who's never taken anybody down, takes him down enough times to win the entire fight. I didn't think he looked very good. I take it all back. Apparently, I need to look a little bit closer. Apparently, the Predator's takedowns and his ground control deserves a lot more credit than I gave. And I think that I speak for you guys. I think that we see the same thing. I think that we 
Might need to reassess this one. Because Surreal looked great. And he had problems. I mean, there was a way out of that fight if he wanted it. That that door came wide open. And he said, I don't want out. He closed that door. He had to dig deep. Not to mention, and you guys know this to be true, whatever goes up must come down. We all know that to be true. So how is Surreal going to respond? Everything was up. Two fights ago, he's fighting for a championship. One fight ago, he's fighting to unify championships. Now he's not on pay-per-view. I mean, how, how is he going to view that? I don't know. He looked awesome. He looked like he had grit and he looked like he wanted it. And he finally, even if he did it in French, he finally came to life. He had this energy. And it's very tough. I mean, Tui Vasa, guys. Tui Vasa in defeat. Oh, I loved it. You know, they do this performance of the night business. They get this performance of the night and you're going to get this. I came from Outstanding Wrestler. Outstanding Wrestler Award, right? I came wrestling scene. And I wish they would do an outstanding fighter. I wish that's what it was. I love Fight of the Nights, but I wish they did an outstanding fighter. Because you know who I'd have given it to? You know who I'd have given it to? I'd have given it to Tui Vasa. Even in defeat, I'd have given it to Tui Vasa. That's how good he looked. But you have to appreciate that. You have to appreciate what I'm saying, or you can't give Surreal the credit that he deserves. A very meaningful opponent. Now, what are you going to do with that? For some reason, we're all standing back. We're all standing back so that Jones and Stipe can go handle this business. I love that fight, too. Can't really think of a fight I would be more excited for, but that can change very quickly. And I think this shot in the ass that Surreal just gave the world, if Surreal can keep this going, right, it's all going to die down and all the, all the air is going to get sucked out of the room unless he uses this moment. It was a special moment, man. It was a special fight. I don't know why we were given it. I don't, that, that's not free TV, in my opinion. You had the number one heavyweight. Oh, and by the way, you had the number one middleweight on the same card. Now, they've gone out and done their job. But we still have an obligation, though. We have an obligation. What do they get for it? Where do they go from here? And I think that's a hard, I think that's a very hard, if you look, how you can answer that question? What do you do with Surreal? What do you do with Whitaker? They're victors of co-main and main events. They were number one going in. Where do they go now? Well, choice is yours. What are you guys going to do? The choice is yours. Do you want John Jones versus Steve or do you want John Jones versus Surreal Gone? That is the situation that I believe that we're in. Now, the only thing that could hedge against the statement I just said being true is that a deal could be reached between John and Stipe, and that's going to be released this week. It's a big deal. It's a big deal how you follow this sport within the time frame of pay-per-views with news that comes out. Now, Dana used to be extremely calculated when he had Media Week to have something to give to the media. The world of social media has thrown off Dana and everybody else because you can't keep a secret. It's too hard to keep it close. You want to do a press release. You want to do a big reveal. You guys right, might remember when it was going to be for USC 200, but when Brock Lesnar was coming back. Brock Lesnar is going to return to the sport Opposite Mark Hump, it was a big deal, and they had a package, and they wanted to release this at the pay-per-view. Do you know how colossally difficult it would be to keep that secret? 
Because now it's not just Brock that knows and his team. It's not just Mark Hunt that knows and his team. You have an editing department. The people that work at the UFC, don't forget, they love it. They love the UFC. This is where they want to be. They're fans. Imagine if you had a, a skill with editing or software or PR or marketing, but you could get within uh, the walls in the office. You'd be happy as could be. You'd be like a kid at Disneyland. And I'm only sharing that because there was a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot that had to touch this. Approvals and legal department. Like there's a lot that goes into making one of these packages that you're going to drop during a pay-per-view. A lot. And even if you contained this thing, you still got 10 people. 10 people is a lot of people to trust. And sure enough, it did not make it to the pay-per-view. It got revealed. Well, now, th- but think about this from Dana's standpoint. I don't think ever. I feel like nobody ever does. Think about this from Dana's standpoint. He's now spent the money. He's got this whole plan in place for this package of which he's going to drop. Which, by the way, just to go back to that night, and for you smart marks that remember this, you will recall. When I say nobody knew that that was going to happen, that included the broadcasters. The package for Brock Lesnar. As much of as an excitement, you know, and beast in concert, I mean, Brock Lesnar is a once in a lifetime attraction. That's true. If you ever see the man or you come in, like, there's just something about him. He's got this aura, he's got this glow. I watched it. I'd been tipped off through Twitter by Ariel Helwani, but it's very relevant that I was. Because when I saw the package and they released that Brock is going to come back and he's going to be fighting Mark Hunt, it's going to be at UFC 200, I connected zero of those dots. I didn't get any of it by uh, the B-roll that they played. And it wasn't just me. Joe Rogan, who's live, said to Mike Goldberg, uh, does that mean Brock's coming back? He said it just like that. He wasn't told ahead of time. We kept this whole thing a secret. Nobody fed in his ear. Nobody in the truck. All of these people got phones. All of these people tweeted at I me. Mean, when I tell you how hard it is to keep a secret, and Danny used to work really hard, now it's just a different deal. Why do I bring all that into? Because there's a little bit of a conspiracy by me to even say that Dana has the fight done between Jones and Stipe, and he's waiting until press day this week to release it. That's a little bit me stuck about 15 years ago. I don't think that that is done. I think that you guys now have the choice. And I think that this is the first time that anybody's been given the choice. I feel as though Jones, Stipe, and Francis are up in this loft all by themselves that nobody could get to. I mean, you can't get to Francis. The poor guy is nursing an injury, not to mention a contract dispute. So just move him aside. John Jones has never been licensed or weighed in in history within this division, but that put him in like a protected purgatory, right? There's a couple of ways to look at a guy who's never been into a division. One, you can look at him as though you don't matter, you don't pertain to the division. That's true. But there's another way, quite frankly, it's the way that I look at it. That was just psychology, I can't control it. I look at it the other way, which is John Jones is undefeated. John Jones has never lost at heavyweight. And then you have Stipe, who's everybody's favorite guy, not to mention he absolutely qualifies for a trilogy fight against Francis. He deserves to be given the opportunity that he just gave to somebody else. Okay, great. This is the argument to these three guys. Wherever you want to put that, however solid you think those are, but it also encapsulated them and it made them completely protected. And then Saturday took place. Where you had the biggest star in the division, Tai Tuvasa. Take on the number one guy in the division per the rankings, 
in Surreal Gone. And you had a finish. Tell me another time that you had one versus four. Whoever won the match, tell me a time that you had one versus four. It ends in a finish, and the winner didn't get a title fight. I mean, I'll sit here and wait as long as you want. And I gave you a lot of options there. I don't care who won the match. Just tell me a time that one and four got in there. It was a stoppage, and the victor didn't go into a title fight. See, it's one of these things that get really interesting really fast. And as much as those three guys have been protected, for whatever reasons, for whatever reasons, but they have by all of us, all of us have preserved the idea of the round robin between Francis, Stipe, and Jones, but so have the fellow heavyweights. And I don't know that the heavyweights, as much as I want them to scream, I think Tom Aspinall, had he not had the injury with Curtis Blades, I think if Tom would have won that fight, I think we would have already been having this discussion, but he didn't win it. And for whatever reason, people keep Curtis at an arm's reach. I don't know what it is that Curtis, I've, I've asked you guys this for two years now, I don't know what it is Curtis did to the community, but for some reason he has a really hard time breaking in. And while I'm telling you that you now have your choice, that now Surreal Gone is available, it can be Surreal versus John Jones. What an interesting match. Truly is an interesting match, which I didn't think so going into this fight, by the way, with Tuvasa. I thought Surreal was great, and I thought Surreal was wonderful, and he's 15 and 0. I mean, I'm going back, right? The night he loses to Francis. The night he lost to Francis, I realized John Jones gets on top of this guy one time. John Jones will change this man forever. But now I gotta look back and go, you know what? Maybe the Predators takedown is a little better than I thought. Maybe he was in a little bit deeper on those hips than I realized. Maybe he's a little bit stronger and offers some intangibles that I couldn't quite see through my TV screen. I don't know that John Jones could go take down Surreal. That's what I'm saying. I did believe that. I don't know that I believe that now. In a kickboxing battle, I think John Jones is as scary as anybody that's ever been in the sport. I think he belongs on the same page as the Jose Aldos and the Anderson Silvas. But he's taking on a pure kickboxer. Like, just in theory, that isn't true. Unless the sport of kickboxing is garbage, and it might be. It truly might be one of those arts that is a niche and is not real. But unless it's not real, unless it's a niche, Surreal Gone whips his ass. No other way around it. John Jones, whose only experience on his feet fighting is within mixed martial arts. If he can go out and take on a guy who's a professional with a beautiful record, kickbox, then kickboxing is garbage. It's not real. And that might be true. And that has offended a number of people when I bring that up. I'm happy for you to be wrong, for, for you to prove me wrong. I realize that 185 pounds, you've had no greater opportunity, and I'm not looking to bury your sport. There, there are some sports amongst us that are garbage. It's the entire reason they set up the Octagon the first time in 1993. It wasn't to sell pay-per-views. It wasn't to do international business. It wasn't to bring in sponsorships. It wasn't to get magazines. It wasn't to get merchandise and deals. It wasn't to get video games. It was for none of those reasons. It was to market to a gym so that people would come in and bring their kids to the gym. Say, our art is better at self-defense than your art. That's it. That's all this whole thing was about. They went to a lot of expense, and they brought in some cameras, and they, they blew this up a little bit, but the whole premise was just to sign up people at your local gym. That was it. 
and we found out there's a big waste of time in a number of arts. Don't be offended. Muay Thai might be one of them. Kickboxing might be one of them. Or Surreal Gone Kicks John's Ass. It's as simple as that. There's not an in-between. There's not a catch. There's not a length by John John. There's, there's none of those things. It's real or it's not. Okay. All right. Now, what do you want to see? And it really does uh, put some pressure on. The three guys that we have encapsulated that have, have moved on have had a level of power. They've had a level of power to talk about what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. That changes very quickly as soon as we find that fourth man. And we have. And his name's Surreal Gone. So I'm just coming back to a very basic question. I'm not attempting to trick anybody. I'm wondering, it's popular opinion. Who are you going to choose? Is it Stipe versus Jones? Or is it Surreal versus Jones? As I mentioned earlier, it was an absolute steal for us that we got to see Whitaker and Vittori battle it out in Paris. Now, all of us are wondering what Whitaker's future is going to look like. I want to get into it. Robert Whitaker Vittori, I feel like I need to pay this off. Right, I told you guys all about that. I've been talking about this fight for two weeks. We did this big piece last week. Where do you go from here? I feel like I owe it to you to pay this off. What? I'm stuck. Because what do you do now? Robert Whitaker had a brilliant idea, in my opinion. He dropped it last week. He said, I'm going up to 205 pounds. The problem with that is I don't think he meant it. Robert Whitaker has a history of going to press conferences and handling quite... I don't think he overly enjoys it. He's a very handsome guy. He's very well-spoken. He's extremely accomplished. I don't think he enjoys that side of it. He puts on a suit. I mean, the guy looks like he looks like a model but I don't think he's happy up there. And I think that he's saying things just to get through the moment. Now, I bring that diatribe to you because I like the idea of him at 205. And I don't know what to do with him at 185. I'm not positive the world sees how great he is. Dana White said something very beautiful about Colby. And it was very true. And all he said is, Colby Covington if Kamara Usman doesn't exist as the champion of the world. That's all he said. But it was a very beautiful acknowledgement, and it's very accurate. The same could be said about Whitaker, if Adesanya didn't exist. Not only, not only that, it was said when Adesanya didn't exist. It's an absolute proven commodity, but what do you do with him now? An awesome match, and I mean awesome to break down is Whitaker versus Piera. Not only would the ins and outs of that uh, stylistically be extremely interesting, Whitaker would go into that as the favorite. So Whitaker right now, who's ranked number one, Piera is the number one contender. Now, I don't know what the official fight terms on that are. I believe whoever's ranked number one is ranked number one. And I believe whoever's next for the championship fight is the number one contender. And that's, that's Chael Lingo. I think I'm right on that. But I might not be. And I'm only bringing it to you because that's how good Whitaker is. 
Whitaker's ranked number one. Whitaker's in the exact same spot as Colby Covington. Whitaker won the toughest tournament in all the sports, known as the Ultimate Fighter. Did that at 170, moves up to 85, becomes the champion. Not to mention, there's not a clear path as far as strategy to beat the son of a gun. Just his strategy. To have a plan, to go out there and do it is a whole nother thing. Just to have the strategy. Well, I'm just going to go take Whitaker down. Yeah, good luck with that. Did you see Yoel Romero try it? Well, I'm just going to grind him out and get him tired. Yeah, good luck with that. Tell me the last time Whitaker's ever lost the fifth round. I'm going to go out there and outstrike him. Come on! Only guy to ever outstrike him is Adesanya part one. I mean, there's not even an idea for how you're going to approach it. This is how good he is. But what do you do? If Adesanya goes out there and gets the jump on Pierre, that is going to send Pierre back light years. I mean, it really is. Pierre is going to have, that's going to be the world's hardest climb back just because of their story. Many people, my partner Ryan included, believe if Pierre gets the jump on Adesanya, they just go and rematch that one. I don't know that I'm bullish on that idea, but I still will share with you that what do you do with Robert Whitaker? You just keep him in the number one contender spot? You just keep on bringing him out there to keep eliminating guys? And the Whitaker fight with Vittori was great. See, you're not going to do martial arts and you're not going to do a sport. You're not going to play a game with Angry Marvin. You're going to fight him. Marvin is not a martial artist. Marvin is a fighter. And Whitaker is a fantastic athlete that I feel as though he doesn't totally get credit for. I mean, this is a very cold business that we're in. It's a, it, it's a very neat thing in life where you can be good at something and be recognized where people will recognize you. It's a, it's a very added value to inspire somebody to go into this craft. But the other side of it is, the only one we're recognizing is number one, on earth. Of the projected seven billion men alive, we will recognize one. Per weight class, it's very tough. So Whitaker, by any other standard, if this was the NCAA, being All-American, if this was the Olympic Games, and you get on the medal stand, it's, it's this whole thing, but it's not the way that this business works. So what do you do with him? Where does he go from here? I like the idea of 205 pounds. I don't think he was serious. And I've been sizing him up ever since he said it. He might be just a little bit short for that weight class. He might be just a little bit light for that weight class. I don't know what he walks around at. I'd be curious. The fact that he started at 70 and moved to 85 tells me he's probably not going to go up to 205 pounds. But he said it. He said that he was going to. I'm open to the idea. So as we're on the heels of Whitaker and Vittori, you want to know what we saw? Look, we saw a guy that was a better fighter than the other one. Everywhere they went, Whitaker was 10% better than Marvin. That's what happened. And Marvin went out there and did what Marvin does. He tried hard. He fought bell to bell. He's throwing punches and kicks. He never backed down. He never wilted. He never conceded. And he found himself in there with a guy who was better at fighting than he was. Okay. I mean, that's what this whole contest was for. But if you were to ask me what's next, I feel as though I could give you very quickly two, three, and maybe four excellent options for Vittori that you would all love right now and that you'd all sign off on right now. I don't know that I can give you one for Whitaker. I don't think that's fair. I'm not happy about that. I'm, I'm trying to guess where does he go? I loved his idea of changing weight classes. I don't know that he meant it.
Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus, for week one, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Guys, it's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. MMA fans, don't forget about UFC 279. It is happening in Las Vegas this Saturday. I cannot wait. You got Chemayev versus Diaz. Chemayev is a 12 to 1 favorite, or at least he was as of an hour ago. But Diaz isn't fighting for a title, guys. Diaz isn't fighting for reputation. Diaz is fighting with absolutely nothing to lose. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Do it right now and use the promo code CHAIL. That's going to get you $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code CHAIL, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. September 10th. There is nothing done and there is nothing that's going to be done no matter what you have been told or no matter what you believe to be true. There is nothing that is going to be accomplished prior to September 10th. I don't know when the final deadline is. I'm telling you right now, there is no number one contender and Leon Edwards does not have his next opponent. And he will not have it until the end of business on September 10th at the absolute earliest. Why do I bring that up? Well, for one really good reason, guys. Do you think Kamara Usman is responding to this loss correctly? Now, one thing that you don't know about Kamara, and I don't like to reveal a guy, right? I don't ever like to come over here and reveal a guy, but one thing that might surprise you about Kamara, he's a very kind human being. He's a very soft-spoken and kind and thoughtful person. Does that surprise you? Kamar Usman has gone on record, and many people laughed. They thought it was a joke. It was a number of years ago. And he said if he wasn't cage fighting, this was a big thing. You go ask a fighter, what would you be doing if you weren't cage fighting? I was actually into it. I was actually into it. Some reporter was always asking that question, but I was into it. I was like, hmm, wonder what this guy would say. Kamar Usman said he'd be a marriage counselor, and he wasn't joking around. He then followed that up. He said, I, I, I would like to give advice. I'm very good in these relationships. I'm very objective. I understand emotions. It was just one of these things, but it stuck with me all of these years. He's just a very kind and thoughtful person. Now, I would not begrudge anybody who's in a very tough spot of tasting defeat, having a championship taken off him, dramatic fashion in front of the world. I understand what a trying position that might be. I had somebody, as a matter of fact, it was Henry Cejudo asked me to compare because it's very rare that you're winning a fight and in the fifth round you have it taken away. I believe off the top of my head, I believe I'm right when I tell you that that's how Misha Tate won. That she was losing to Holly Holm and she came in and she won in the fifth round. 
Even if I have that stat wrong, it's still true that Holly had won every round until Misha won a position and left with a championship. I had it done to me. I'm defeating Anderson Silva. And in the last round, I have it taken from me. And Henry tried to make this comparison. Henry said, Chael, tell us how you feel. Who would know better than uh, Kamara's feeling than you? I said, Henry, that's not actually apples to apples. I was never champion. I'd give anything to be in Kamara's shoes. I'd give anything to have lost the belt. I never got a taste of it. Henry said, yeah, you're right. That makes a really big difference. Now, I want to bring this to your attention. Because Kamara Usman is being a gentleman. He's talking to anybody who's willing to talk to him. I've seen him on TMZ, which is a massive media platform. I saw him on Joe Rogan, which we're told is the biggest media platform. And he was being a very thoughtful, he was being a very kind, being a very nice person. And he was also taking the high road and he was using extreme sportsmanship. And he was sharing with us how he felt internally, which was... I lost. Not only was I knocked out in front of you guys, I was knocked out for 20 minutes. I didn't know where I was for 20 minutes, but I've taken neurological exams. I'm completely healthy. I'm ready to get back in there. And I have all the pressure off of me. Now that sounds to me as a very reasonable reaction and possibly even a very mature reaction. Is that what you guys want to hear? Because it's all about what you want to hear. I know some of you resist. Like, oh, I don't care about anything but the punches and kicks. God damn it. There are no punches and kicks when he's doing an interview on TMZ. There are no punches and kicks when he's sitting in Joe Rogan's, what he calls the spaceship, talking to a microphone. Please don't tell me it's all about the punches and the kicks. Please don't do that. Right now, it's not about a punch or a kick or a choke or a fifth round or a first round. It's about a contract. I've got to get that contract. I want to get my belt back. First thing I've got to do, i got to get a piece of paper. Says, I'm opposite Leon Edwards, 170 pounds and a date. I have to do that. Nothing is done at 170. This is all up in the air, regardless to what you feel. Jemayev and Diaz believe that they're fighting for a number one contendership. They believe that. And nobody's going to stop them and nobody's going to take that from them right now. As cold as it might be, to not give Kamara Usman, who is obviously, he's obviously the number one contender for his own championship. Obviously. But there's other boys that are trying to get on with it too, and they've been told certain things, and they've counted on certain representations. And they have the right to go out and be heard. And right now, those boys are Chemayev and Diaz. And what are you going to do? Just for fun, but what are you going to do with Chemayev if he goes and has this glorious moment? I think there's an answer, and I don't know that that answer is Leon. I think you have Kamara and Leon. If you're asking me to be matchmaker, I do think that that's the direction you go. I think that you also honor your number one contendership with Chemayev. I think you move his ass up to 185. That's what I think. I think Chemayev is headed for 185 sooner or later. I just want to stay on this point. Okay, to even have this discussion of what we're going to do with Shemayev, he's got to get through Nate Diaz, who has nothing to lose. I mean, that's a whole other factor. We've seen Diaz fighting for money. We've seen him fighting for reputation. We've seen him fighting for family. We've seen him fighting for his brother. We've never seen him fighting with nothing to lose. I mean, not. don't set that aside. 
I'm trying to prove a larger point. And I do have until September 10th at the end of business. Guaranteed I do. There is going to be media all week. John Morgan is going to be front and center, followed up by the schmo, backed up on social media by Ariel, and in private rooms with Brett Akimoto. There is going to be a ton of media, and I guarantee you Dana White does not announce that it's Kamara versus Leon prior to the end of business on September 10th. Is Kamara giving you what you want to hear for a rematch? Because there's only a couple of options. He took the extreme high road. He did not talk about infractions. He did not talk about violations. He did not talk about, I won the striking and the grappling. He didn't talk about a damn thing. He said, I got knocked out and I lost the fight. Fair and square. Very honorable approach. But what if he did go with the other one? And I'm not talking about he goes to the dark side. I'm not talking about he handles it the way that yours truly would have. But I'm saying, what if he did share with us another truth? Because what he's saying is very true, and he's got the monkey off his back, and his this, this, this energy has changed, and he gets to be a challenger instead of a champion. He gets to pursue something instead of defending. All of these things are true. But isn't it also true that he can't sleep at night? Isn't it also true that he hasn't had a meal that has tasted the same? Isn't it also true that he has not looked down at his phone? Isn't it also true there's not a day that's gone by that he hasn't reached out in some fashion to Dana White? Aren't those things also true? Because I guarantee you they are without even asking him. Isn't it also true that he's re-sat down with his coaches, that he's re-looking at his training, that he's looking to get better, that all he wants is Leon? Oh, and by the way, I've already beat him once before. Let me remind you. Don't forget about that. This was not the first time we met. This was the second time we met. And the slate is even one apiece. I'll see you in part three, wherever you want to set that octagon up. Aren't those things also true? We can do it in Vegas. We can do it in Florida. We can do it in Colorado. We can do it in England. We will do whatever you want to do it. I'm coming to get back what's mine. I've beat you before and I will beat you again. As a matter of fact, I beat you for four rounds three weeks ago. Aren't those things also true? I mean, how much do we want to look at this? And how much do we want to look at this as though this is a foregone conclusion? Guys, there is a checklist and the time frame matters. If I was running MMA class and I'm, I'm standing in NASA, I got the big old whiteboard behind me. I'm not just talking about you jab to the head and you dip down to the body. You come back upstairs with your hook. I'm not just going to do that. I've got to explain to you the timeline, that you get the media, that you get the masses, that you get your following, that you leverage the platforms that are out there, that you get something known as a bout agreement. And the way that you promote a fight and the way that you pick a fight are two different conversations. And Kamara, regardless of what has been told to him or what he believes to be true, nothing is set or will be set until the end of business on September 10th. It might be further out than that. But believe me when I tell you, those words are true. And this is all, these are all problems. These are all roadblocks. These are all something to deal with. These are all reasons that Ali can't get a good night's sleep. This is just between now and Saturday. With the assumption that everything goes along as planned and your 12 to 1 favorite, Chemayev gets his hand raised. That's, these are the problems you have and that's with Chemayev winning. How can we possibly rest assured on anything on the heels of Kamar Usman getting defeated?
I mean, if there's ever been a time that it's clearer, and we need reminded of this, right? As fans, we need reminded. We always think there's this some Superman and he can put us on our finger and he can spin you around like a ball. We always create that person. And as soon as we get reminded it's not true, we just look for the next person and we start to create it. But we're not there yet. We need another six months. We're going to need another year. We can't possibly be this naive three weeks after the kick hurt around the world. We just can't be. And I don't think anything should be taken for granted. And as much as we're identifying Leon, Kamara, Nate, and Chemaev, you think Lahal Mohammed's sitting easy on that one? You think that he's standing back for anybody? You think Colby, when he comes riding in, he's going to come riding in, sitting over here in the batter's box, happy and quiet? There's going to be massive disruptions. Nothing is done. I think everything Kamara's telling you is very sweet. I think it's very honest, and I think it's very true. I think there are some other truths that cut a little bit different. And until that contract is signed, I think those are the truths he should be finding, identifying, and speaking to you. To close out today's program, it is UFC 279 week. And to celebrate, I want to continue talking about Nate Diaz by telling you a story about a time I trained with him. Nate Diaz is going to get ragdolled. Nate Diaz is going to get beat up. I read these things today. And I don't disagree with them. I've seen Nate Diaz beat up, and I've seen Nate Diaz ragdoll. Are we good here? Should I get up and go? Before I do, what's that got to do with anything? I mean, I got to ask you that question. I really would like an answer. I've heard the arguments. I know about Chemayev being younger. I understand that. I understand that Chemayev is a very good wrestler and that Nate has the history of letting other people dictate when they're on the feet on the ground. Like, I feel as though I understand the entire thing. Did somebody forget? That's not how these matches are contested. I do agree that Chemayev is going to get to pick the position. I do, ragdoll. Ragdoll means like you can throw a guy down. Just so you understand what this expression is. And then beat him up means once you throw him down, you start punching him a whole lot. I'm in agreement with everything. I'm here to have a conversation with you, though, on who's going to win the fight. I have seen Nate Diaz ragdolled. I have seen round one. I have seen him be a slow starter. I like. I get the entire thing, and I don't even object that that's going to happen here. But now let's finish the conversation, which is who's going to win the fight. Since when can you not be ragdolled and still win a fight? Since when are you not allowed to be taken down against your will, but you can still win a fight? Since when have you not been allowed to be taken down, held there, and punched? but still get up and win a fight. I mean, it's a very different conversation. I'm not sure that the people that think that Jemayev is going to go out there and whip Diaz versus the people that think Diaz is going to win this fight, I'm not sure that they're both not saying the same thing. Have you thought about it in this perspective? Okay, I'm going to jump around, but I want you guys to hear this story, okay? Practice room story, me, Nate Diaz. There's a rule, and you guys don't ever get to hear these. 
Nobody, people will do what I just did. They'll dangle and then go, but I can't tell you. And you don't even push on it. You understand that. We all understand you don't talk about what happened in the practice room. Now, there is an exception to that rule. The exception clause is if the other guy did better than you and you want to come on and say something nice about him, that's when it's okay. The whole don't talk about what happened in the practice room is because you, you don't have the right to make a claim that you did something over a guy when it was just in the practice room. So I was sparring with Nate Diaz. This is 10 years ago, guys. I remember it like it was this morning. This is 10 years ago. Now, I am in my prime. I am getting ready to fight for championships. I'm fit. I'm in shape. I'm also 50 pounds bigger than Nate Diaz. Just the, just the reality. We're going to go in there and spar. Well, okay, I'm going to go take him down like I do in all of my other rounds. I'm having a hard time getting him down. Okay, I can't get him down. He knew how to play the fence. He knew how to keep distance, but he also he was real good with short stuff when I would get inside. He would do to me what Coach Clayton calls put a hole in a guy's gas tank. Put, put a hole in the guy's gas tank under Clayton Hire's terms means you hit him in the body. And when he would hit me in the body, he would, you know, it's one of those things. It didn't matter if I had 50 pounds or not. Now, all of a sudden, he's wearing me down a little bit. And no matter what good shape he's in, I should still be able to hold up. In theory, I'm in shape myself, but I'm also, I'm bigger. He's the one that's got to carry the weight around. It's very hard to take down. To the point that it was very frustrating. And Caesar Gracie watched the go. Richard watched the go. Matt Lindland watched the go. It was the five of us. This is what happened. So Matt Lindland was saying to me, hey, how come you weren't taking him down? Well, I was trying to take him down. Let me ask Nate, why, why, how come you're so hard to take down? Listen to what his answer was. This whole story I just gave you is to, here's the payoff. We were wearing big gloves. We had boxing gloves on, right? Anytime you spar, you're either in what we call the little gloves, meaning MMA, we're in the big gloves, meaning boxing gloves. He had boxing gloves on. And he said, I can't work as well on the ground when I'm in boxing gloves. It's hard for me to set up some of my groundwork in my jiu-jitsu, so I stayed on the feet. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, stop everything. It was your choice? You, you have within you a takedown defense that was enough to stop me on my best of times with 50 pounds. You have that within you. Why aren't you always choosing to do it? And therein lies the problem. Therein lies possibly the only problem with Nate Diaz in the history of his career is he doesn't mind giving up that position. He doesn't mind. It's not that he doesn't know how. I found that out firsthand. He, he never let us go to the ground. He fought all of my takedowns and kept us on the feet because he, with big gloves on, he didn't really want to work off the ground. So he just avoided that position completely. It did not change the effort that I was trying to get him there. I didn't even know that he thought that until after the fact. If I could have got him there, I would have kept him there. I would not have let him up. I mean, right, the gym, the gyms have different rules on what you do when you're wearing big gloves and little gloves. It was a very telling when Nate gave me this very calm and sincere answer. But it also let me in on something else about Nate. He does know how to stop the takedowns. He has put time into that. He believes he does well in a fight when he has the small gloves on, when he's on his back. It's very meaningful. Nate's only done two things ever that if I could go back and grab him and say, Nate, stop doing this, it's that. He will concede position. And two, he doesn't respect leg kicks. You want to kick him in the leg, go ahead and kick him in the leg. He doesn't, re he doesn't re respect that. He doesn't see that as a, a value add. He doesn't see that as something that changes the fight. And you guys know that if you watch him to some degree. 
I'm just here to let you know these are by choice. Nate is very difficult to take down. This whole idea that he's going to be thrown down and kept there and he's going to be ragdolled, it may, may, may very well be true. It just doesn't have to do with why we're there that night, which is who's going to win the fight. And there's question marks around Shemaya. Right, if a fight is ever harder than you thought it was going to be, well, what's going to lead you to a conclusion of how hard a fight is going to be? Well, a lot of times what everybody else tells you. you got a pretty good circle around you. It's your team, it's your coaches, it's your workout partners. If they are dismissing, if they at all have the attitude that the spread had when they opened it 8-1 to one and moved to 12-1, to one, if they do any of this, he's going to quickly, right? Shemayev is going to quickly find himself in a contest that's harder than he thought it was going to be, and there are questions. For example, just the management of energy. We, we know that Shemayev used up his energy in his fight with Gilbert Burns, and so people question, can he go 25 minutes? I got to stop you, though. That fight wasn't scheduled for 25 minutes, and Shemayev did exactly what he should do. He should use all of his energy. And he did, and he was worn down. If you looked at that, Jemayev and said, well, he couldn't go two more rounds. If you came to that conclusion, he wasn't supposed to go two more rounds. And I don't think that, I don't think that it's a good or fair assessment of where somebody's at. I, I don't. But I realize that that is still out there. And we all realize that 25 minutes is exactly what Nate would like to do. And we also realize that the potential for 25 minutes is nothing that Jemayev has been scheduled in yet. It's a question. But I feel that it comes back to prove my point that just because Nate, Nate got ragdolled, just because Nate got taken down, just because he got pounded on, that was 15 minutes ago. I mean, right, if we're in a standard fight, that was 15, that was 20 minutes ago. What's that got to do with right now? Because them boys are still standing in there in front of each other. So both things can be true. Nate can get taken down against his will. Nate can win the fight. On any given night, both of those statements can be proven to be true. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you like it, please head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review like this one from Scott, which says, if Chael is talking, I'm going to listen. Well, thank you, Scott, and thanks to the rest of you. I will be back on Friday with my UFC 279 official predictions. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.